I always say that I have two parts of myself. I'm one part bulldog and the other part gaping cavernous need, <laughs> insecurity and need. there friends welcome welcome uh this is the third episode of the fifth season of the green room door podcast welcome i'm dave trout and this is the show that loves to go behind the scenes to talk one-on-one with artists making the most meaningful music today and i'm not going to waste too much time on this intro because we've got to get right into a jam-packed show um in the first half I have uh, jokingly, well, not even not jokingly, said that if there was such a thing as a, a Mount Rushmore of gourmet music, um, her face would be etched into the mountain. Uh, none other than the one and only Sarah Groves is hanging out with us here the first half of the show. And then in the second half, um, an award-winning, critically acclaimed Canadian singer-songwriter Carolyn Ahrens will be joining us. Now, these two women have decades of experience making music um, that has kind of shaped our souls. Two of the most thoughtful songwriters I know as well. So they have a lot of good stuff to share. So even though this show is going to be over an hour long, um, it won't feel like it's dragging on. You, you will likely get to the end and wish it was longer. No joke. Um, if you haven't heard, Sarah Groves just came out with a new album. Uh, it's called What Makes It Through. Just came out on November 12th. And so before we dive into the interview, um, let's hear a little clip from that album. such a treat always to have you on the show Sarah thanks for joining us and um, I'm so excited about the new album which of course we'll dig into in just a, a, a few minutes but I wanted to start by asking you about the last couple of years um, it's just been a weird world that we've been living in and for some people it's been um, like a creative renaissance 
in a way. Uh, some people it's been just really difficult and discouraging. So just wanted to ask you as you reflect on the last couple of years, how have you been processing it? So I know that COVID has meant different things to different people. My neighbor, his job went zero to 60 as a frontline worker. For us, um, our calendar was completely wiped clean and I was grounded for the first time in 23 years. Um, So obviously that left a lot of room for reflection uh, about what I wanted to do, what was important to me. Um, I thought a lot about, uh, do I quit music completely? Do I go back into education? I feel like there isn't a more noble job on the planet, um, especially we're in the public schools and I just think the world of teachers that are holding it down right now in public schools. Um, and uh, so I, yeah, I had a lot of time of reevaluation, but there was even back in 2019, a desire I wanted to produce my next project whenever that happened. And I thought I could take my time and I did um, making it. I thought I could just work at a pace that made sense for me. Um, so right now I have the benefit of reflecting back and it's that project is done. But I would say as I was living through 2020, um, yeah, I was, I was holding a lot of, a lot of, there, there were just a lot of things to wrestle with and it wasn't easy. Um, it's very uncomfortable making a new project. Um, it's uncomfortable to me because no one's asking for it necessarily. I have to just sort of, uh, generate from myself uh, I have a desire to be creative and so that is where it's kind of first coming from Um, and at my age I think sometimes I feel like I don't know is is anyone listening so um there's a lot of wrestling I I always say that I have two parts of myself I'm one part bulldog and the other part gaping cavernous need (laughs) insecurity and need so um, those things are almost always at play in any even given day. Those things are at play for me. And uh, so, yeah, it was a season of a lot of wrestling and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I decided with the advice of a friend, um, I had a spiritual director who said that I was like a deep lake with a, a deep, deep dammed up lake with a little door and it was difficult for me to get ideas out. It is difficult for me to get ideas out and that I needed friendship and partnership to get those ideas through the door, a little bit of water through the door. And so um, this project is a good example of that. I just relied on a lot of different people and I guess I could say the three minute song really suits me. (laughs) I'm not really great at getting out a ton of ideas, but that suits me. (laughs) It's so funny to hear you say that because I can't think of many artists who say as much and just pack as much into a three minute song as you do. So, uh, yeah, you are definitely talented at that. So the, the new album, um, it's called what makes it through. And I love it because all your albums throughout your career have had interesting titles that are thought provoking. And I'm sure that this one is kind of power packed with a lot of rich meaning. So what are some of the themes and the things you wanted to communicate through this album? Um, There are two threads of thought running through this album. The first one is, uh, my first thought was to think about forgiveness. So I'm looking at what we're doing right now, where we are as a culture, the, the 
divisions that start, you know, the national level split right down to our kitchen tables. And I have my own interpersonal relationships that are hard. And I've just been looking at things um, on a communal level and on an interpersonal level, wondering how do you actually make your way towards each other, um, find your way back back home when you have such different versions of what happened. You, you're both carrying sort of like the narratives um, differently. And so that was kind of where I started um, with thinking about forgiveness and reconciliation. And then this role of memory that memory plays. And I watch what we're doing right now as a, as a community. We're trying to figure out what stories we tell about ourselves, um, which stories are true. And as a former history teacher, that's, it's interesting. It's troubling to me when people try to corral that or there, you know, starts to be maybe a, a new McCarthyism around, um, you know, how we're telling stories or how people get to tell their stories. Um, so that kind of thing is, is really, um, was on my mind. And then how do we find our way to each other? What makes it through, I guess, really refers to both us, our, our relationships and what survives um, when you have such um, incredible divis- division and then what makes it through also the what memories get ca- kind of carried forward and um, how do you kind of resolve um, to do that. So Desmond Tutu says in his book, No Future Without Forgiveness, um, he talks about without some sort of truth and reconciliation process, there's no way forward. And I would say there's no forgiveness without a kind of like correct remembering um, and we are very flawed rememberers. So this this record is looking at that. It's hard for us to tell ourselves the truth. It's hard for me to tell myself the truth. And I think a lot of what I do in songwriting is an attempt to do just that. Mm, yeah. Um, one thing that's kind of new to this project, uh, kind of makes it a little special, is that uh, it's the first time that you have kind of officially sat in the producer's seat for one of your records. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that was a steep uh, learning curve, very steep. Um, it was in 2019 that I was walking with a friend, and we, I was telling her that I've never really learned the technology of my own business, of my own work. And watching and working with a lot of different artists, I noticed that a lot of people, they just know their way around Pro Tools. They're able to capture their own ideas. And this has always been really prohibitive to me. I have an idea, but I have to call together a whole band and rent a studio and it just felt like if if I was going to move forward with music I'd want to learn some of that stuff myself so I was talking to my friend and and she said you're like the family that has moved to the United States from Portugal and you're the grandmother still speaking Portuguese everyone else has learned English <laughs> and uh, she said that she counsels a lot of people who are who feel like the technology in their field is outpacing them. And she just always encourages people to get in there. You can still, you know, you can still learn new things. So I'm not that old, but I did feel like, I did wonder if I could do this. And um, so I ordered all this stuff. I had a friend tell me what to buy. I ordered everything to set up a little studio at my house. And um, I had boxes in the foyer. He was going to fly in and help me set everything up from, he's a friend from Seattle. And COVID hit. So I had all of the boxes and no one was coming to tell me what to do. So I watched a lot of YouTube and I um, called friends and I just little by little uh, put it together. And in that regard, I have to say on this side of things with this record actually out into the world, um, I can't believe it. I just can't, I 
just last night I told Troy I, that record didn't exist and now it exists and maybe more than any other record um I just can't believe I did it and I feel really proud of it and um it was uh, something I really enjoyed I thought I'll either just survive this or I want to do it again and I definitely hope to do it again <laughs> awesome yeah that's so good to hear I'm uh grateful that it was a rewarding creative experience for you um now what else in the creative process uh specifically the making of this album differed or was unique compared to previous albums that you've made so due to covid and also just because um this was my first time out producing um, I didn't feel super comfortable booking a studio and doing like the normal kind of thing. We would normally track, uh, have a tracking week and we would track most of the beds, um, the rhythm beds and all that at one time, play live together. Um, and then I would take that home or the producer and I would work on overdubs, vocals, and then it goes to mix and master. So this time every song started here at my house with a basic demo that was a, a a map, a perfect map of where the song was going to go form-wise and rhythm-wise and tempo, all those things key. And then I would send it to maybe a guitar player, and then I'd send it to my friend who's a drummer, and then I'd send it to... It would just make its way around collect, collecting the parts. Um, there is one exception. Um, I worked with my friend Steve Brewster, who was a huge part of of making Floodplain happen. And he's a drummer friend of mine, played on my first five albums, I think. Um, and he was helping me produce. He was in Nashville. So I would send him that same demo. He would have guys come to his house. And, um, so I listed him as a co-producer for those three songs. That was Remains of the Day, uh, Reach Inside, and I'm not, oh, and the new Loving, Loving a Person. So, so those songs were tracked at Steve's house. At least the, the rhythm beds were tracked at Steve's house. And then they came back to me and I did uh, more overdubs and vocals and all that stuff. So, um, I, that was new for me. Usually we have a tracking week and that's where you get most of the music done. I did go in with my friends up here in Minneapolis as well. I went into the library, which is Matt Patrick's studio up here in the Twin Cities. And I, um, we tracked Cheshire Cat and Telltale Heart. So that was a first for me to be in the studio producing. Um, and the rest of the time I was just at my desk. <laughs> it was just me alone at my desk. So um, it was fun to be together. I also um, produced my first like overdub session with Kenny Holman, who, so this is the first time I'm bringing in kind of like a, you know, just top shelf player to just do an overdub. And he came in with um, with charts already drawn up. And I also had an idea of what I wanted him to play. So I was kind of nervous when he came in because I had an idea and he already had come in with this idea. So I asked Matt, we were at the library and I asked Matt, you know, what, what, what do I do if he already has this thing? And Matt was like, just let it, let him play what he's got. And then, and then you can just say, um, I didn't know you were going to have a chart. So I actually have a couple things, you know, I love, I love to try as well. So Matt was kind of coaching me and I, um, but Kenny Holman's played with Prince and I mean, he's world-class. Um, and it was just really fun to be in the producer chair for the first time. Um, again, just, I felt in over my head a little bit, but it was really, I, I think each time I've done, in this whole process, each time I've crossed a new bridge or done something new, 
um, overall, the sense on the other side is, oh, I, I can do this. I have, um, I know what I want and I have ideas that are, are good. I think that I kind of went into it feeling like how much have I been sort of living, uh, through these other producers or, you know, expressing myself through these other people. And a couple times during this process, I would bring someone in and ask their opinion. And as soon as they said their thoughts, I knew, even if it was something completely different, I knew exactly what I wanted. So that, that whole process was really fun to kind of really find my voice and to say, no, no, I actually, never mind. I know exactly what, <laughs> what I want this to do. Um, so there is a lot of that of kind of, you know, is this a good idea? And then hearing it all come together and, and feeling like, um, I really like how this sounds. I really like how this is coming together. And, um, so it's fun and it's so collaborative when you're working with all those, all the different players, but obviously they're just playing their one part. A lot of times they were just playing the one part and sending it back to me and not really knowing how it fit into the whole. Yeah. Uh, I, I seem to always forget how COVID is also just a, such a major factor in making uh, how music making these days has, has, has to adjust and has to change so much. Um, well, we have more questions uh, for Sarah Groves coming up uh, in the next part of our uh, podcast episode. Um, we're going to, in fact, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the songs on the album itself uh, and just get to know kind of the heart behind the music. Uh, so stick around for that. Um, if you are listening right now, uh, you know, I say right now, but when the podcast released, uh, this is actually releasing the week of Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and, uh, uh, and so, of course, it's natural for all of us to sort of be counting our blessings and thinking about um, uh, having the attitude of gratitude. But as you are well aware, it's something that needs to be fostered in us um, all the time, year round. And uh, so we just released a brand new Thanksgiving Songs of Faith playlist that includes um, over three dozen songs from various artists, Sarah Groves being one of those artists you'll find on the uh, the playlist. And the songs all point our hearts toward gratitude and thankfulness. And um, we're going to leave that playlist up year-round. It's not just something we're going to pop up here now for a couple weeks and then take down. Uh, It's going to be up year-round. So you can check out that playlist right now on... um, major streaming platforms Spotify, Apple Music Amazon Prime Music and YouTube Music Um, and uh, just enjoy hopefully it can add to your soundtrack as you're either traveling this week or just uh, having friends and family gather at your place hey don't forget we have award winning songwriter Carolyn Ahrens as an interview guest later in this show And uh, we'll be right back with more of our interview with Sarah Groves next on Green Room Door. This podcast is sponsored by the latest album from singer-songwriter Melanie Waldman. Songs by Melanie Waldman is a collection of worshipful original songs aimed to draw you close to the Savior. Carry me through this deep water. Holy Spirit, 
find Psalm Songs by Melanie Waldman on Spotify and all major music platforms. If you like to see the encouraging, spirit-focused work that UTR Media continue to grow strong, join the year-end campaign. Together, we can see the work grow and thrive, especially now when digital content is so important. Your gift of support will help impact lives. Matt in Washington State said, If it wasn't for UTR Media, I would have never heard of favorite musicians like Josh Garrels, Andrew Peterson, Matthew Clark, Andrew Osenga. I've been going through chemotherapy for Hodgkin's lymphoma, and UTR's Gourmet Music Podcast has been my musical accompaniment. I need the honesty and authenticity of the artists that I find at UTR Media. Thanks. Invest in the good work at UTR Media now during Build-A-Thon with a one-time or monthly tax-deductible donation. Go to utrmedia.org. song Cheshire Cat and brand new one from Sarah Groves. Her new project is called What Makes It Through and she's our interview guest on Green Room Door today. Um, Sarah, I just want to ask you about the songs on the album. Are there certain threads and themes that you just see kind of weaving throughout all the songs? Um, I was inspired by the book by Kazuo Ishiguro uh, The Buried Giant which is an interesting book for him. It's set in like post-Arthurian time, which is not usually his his vibe, but he was writing about this couple and the, the land is covered in this mist and it makes everyone forget forgetful. And there's an inciting event and the, the couple go on this journey. And as they move across the land, they're moving in and out of memory. And when they are uh, forgetting everything, you know, they're, they're happy, but they're troubled. They're, they kind of understand that something's not right. And then when they're remembering everything, they are both moved toward each other in love. They remember why they love each other, what, what they, uh, what they found in each other. And then they're also remembering the ways that they've hurt each other. And so there's this push and pull with them the entire time as they're moving and remembering and different things are sort of bubbling up into their memories from the past they're also moving through a landscape of that is post-war, a fresh war has just been fought. And so the people are also doing the same thing um, communally in the way that they talk about their enemy. They are at times forgetting, uh, what, 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 why was I so mad? What, what was I mad about? And then at other times as they move out of the mist, they're remembering and they're memorializing things and they're trying to figure out basically how, how do we tell this story moving forward? And how do we keep from entering another war? You know, we're trying to remember correctly, but the memory itself causes us anger and a sense of revenge and all these things are stirred up in us. So I have been fascinated with that book and thinking about it for a great deal of time. And a lot of these songs are coming up out of those questions. How do we, as I watch the news and what we're doing communally, how do we 
find a way to communicate with each other. How do we exchange ideas or talk about the ideas without vilifying the person? Um, and and how on earth are we ever going to really move towards reconciliation? Um, I'm especially curious about this in regards to racial reconciliation. Um, living here in the Twin Cities, we've just been, um, uh, for me anyway, I thought I was a really ju- justice-minded person. And the events around the murder of George Floyd absolutely pulled back a, a veil for me that even though I had I talked about justice things, but I didn't really understand the the righteous question that was coming from our from the black community here. And not just here, obviously, all around the country. And so I in, in Telltale Heart, that song in particular, I'm I'm realizing that it's really easy for me and to sort of like go about my business and keep throwing this dinner party acting like nothing's wrong when there are real troubling things uh, and questions that are being asked, and those will keep being asked. They're not going to go away. Um, they are like the telltale heart beating through the floor, and people are testifying. They're stepping up to the mic and saying, I've not experienced this uh, place like you have experienced it. And that's definitely true of my community, of Minnesota, when Governor Waltz got up and said, this is an amazing place to live if you are white. Um, and the disparities and the gaps in education, housing, literally across the board are are profound here. And I knew about a little bit of that, but I didn't, <clears throat> not to the depth that, I've, that I'm aware of now. So I'm wondering, how do we do this? How do we how do we see each other and how do we talk about talk about things and how do we, um, you know, uh, we're, we're deciding right now even what kind of history we, we pass on, you know? So there's that, that element of reconciliation being tied to memory and how we tell our stories and what we say about ourselves. And again, that it's very hard to tell ourselves the truth. Um, so that's that's one thread that runs through the whole thing. And then there would be a more interpersonal reflection on my own life and relationships um, in Deal Breaker. I've had relationships over the last few years because of differences in opinion that I never thought in a million years would be uh, um, pe- people that I thought would be in my life forever. And we're not in community anymore. And it's because of this crazy thing or, or it's because of some kind of QAnon conspiracy or something that that I think I can't believe of, of all the things that that you and I would part ways about I just can't believe that, that this is the thing and so there's a lot of grief and I think the album carries that there's a it's tinged with sadness uh, because there is a lot of grief in the relationships that have been impacted by our dialogues and and what we're doing right now um and there's a longing for uh, the the people. Uh, John Anazu talks about in his book um, Confident Pluralism the difference between speaking to someone, speaking to their ideas, and speaking to that person, and how this is a real skill that we have to navigate in our in a plural society. We have to learn how to address each other with honor and with you know respect for even just being human um, in a human way. Uh, we have to learn to speak to the ideas and not necessarily, um, you know, demonizing the person. So I, I'm really asking those questions in this record. I don't, 
I don't think unity at all cost is really what what helps us. I don't think forgetting forgetfulness and bearing stuff is what helps us. I don't think that um, unity means uh, let's just move on and not talk about this. I think um, there are really important things that we need to uh, we need to bring to light and and tell the truth about. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've all had to deal with it. So it's so valuable to to us to explore these themes. Um, uh, when you look at the the nine songs that are on the album, are there any that sort of feel like kind of a pillar, kind of a centerpiece song to the project? I, I would say that the the album's heart is really in the song Rendezvous. And that would maybe be more about two individuals than it is like a communal reconciliation. But um, the work of forgiveness and of repentance is very hard. And um, the the title of the album is embedded in that song. Uh, but it just, you know, we've been, um, we're all fiercely individual. We have our own thoughts. We have our own worlds. And now after COVID, we've literally been alone in our own spaces and I think that it takes a lot of effort to break out of those warm pods of of sort of self congratulations and and self affirmation to like move across a, a landmine filled field to maybe communicate with someone on the other side of that field, um, whether that be a spouse or um, someone who doesn't you know is is falling on on the other side of the political spectrum. Mm. That's great. Um, well, I have one more question for you uh, and kind of goes uh, just outside the realm of music, because I think a lot of folks listening, they might only know you as a singer songwriter and as a musician. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about just the various things that you're involved in and uh, just the different things that different ways that you are using your gifts completely outside of the of music? Well, I wish I had better hobbies. I <laughs> am not um I I'm not always working, but I don't rest well and um I wish I was better at resting. If I am resting, I'm probably reading. I I love to read and um I I'm a definitely I have a book problem. I have a serious <laughs> book problem. Um and I love, uh, I just like hanging out with my people. Uh, that would definitely be my favorite thing. I um, work with International Justice Mission. That's a huge part of my life and has been for a long time. My husband works for IJM now for the last seven years. And um, they're the largest anti-slavery organization in the world and are doing incredible things. You can hear about them at IJM.org. Um, and... Yeah, so I'm either hanging out with my people. I love going for walks. I take a really long walk every day, about an hour. Um, and I build into my morning um, time to stare out the window. <laughs> so if that's if anything about me, um, I like to stare out the window, hang out, walk. So I, I'm a bit of a, um, <laughs> on the scale of like, active personalities I'm more in my head and maybe contemplative than like um running around and like I don't do sports but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's that's what I'm doing Mm. most of the time that's that's really funny I I love it it's great 
Oh, another thing I do, obviously, is um, Art House North. So my husband and I own a small church. It, we're, we live right across the street from Art House North, and it was fashioned after the Art House in Nashville that was started by Charlie Peacock and Andy, his wife. Um, and our motto is creative community for the common good, and we host theater events and concerts and uh, and conferences usually twice a year. We do an art and faith type concert. Um, and I do a lot of teaching, um, songwriting teaching workshops. I teach a, a big workshop once a year um, in August, and then I do a songwriting group. Um, used to be in person. During COVID, we went online, and that's still avail- available online every other month. Um, and then we meet, are going to start meeting in person again in the new year. But um, I like, really like working with um, beginner and intermediate um, songwriters and just exploring with people what what makes a good song and what makes us um, stronger. I, I love the, um, I just love it, love songwriting as a, um, um, it is a craft. And I would say that I stumbled into that when I was first writing. It was very much thera- therapeutic. It was something that I'd always done as a kid. And probably I'm, you know, too two, three albums in before I realize this is a craft with a history and I really want to understand the history of it. So it was somewhere between the other side of something and um, an add to the beauty that I um, started really leaning into the craft of songwriting instead of sort of just writing whatever comes out, um, really thinking about, I I want to, I want to communicate, you know, I want to, uh, Yip Harburg, who wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow, said, music makes you feel, um, words make you think, and a song can make you feel a thought. And I think that that is very powerful, if you can feel a thought. And I think that we have all these thoughts, just to come full circle with the record. Um, I think... Our subconscious does a lot of heavy lifting, and we don't always have names for what we're thinking and feeling. And I think a song can kind of unpack or or open up a part of ourselves or a conversation we didn't even know we needed to have um, and really kind of move us in that way. So um, I hope that that's true, and I hope that that's that's what what's happening with with my music I guess that um I can't really control how other people hear it or what they take from it but um it helps me I should say unearth things and to contemplate things and gives me better language so that I can um kind of know what I'm dealing with and um and I hope that it it goes out and does the same in in other hearts Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. yeah Come on, Sarah Groves. Uh, We just are delighted to have her on any of our UTR podcasts. Such a great chance to talk with her. And um, her new project is called What Makes It Through. And you can find it on all music platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, um, Amazon Prime Music, 
Uh, it's probably on Deezer if you listen to that. <laughs> so just go find Sarah Grove's album and listen to it on repeat. It's so good. And who knows, it may even show up on our top 11 gourmet albums of 2021. Yeah, that's uh, that's coming up pretty soon. Our, our panel of critics will be voting in the coming weeks on the best albums and songs from 2021. And then we reveal those critics' picks in the month of January. Exciting things to look forward to on the horizon. Um, And we had a couple of big things happen. One of them is a big announcement here at UTR Media. Um, We shared a video that explained the future of UTR and some things that are on the horizon for us and we would love for you to go check out that video so you can just learn more about kind of what god is doing right now and the steps ahead for us uh there's a it's just a short video announcement and we posted it on youtube facebook and instagram we will link to it in the show notes for this podcast so you can find it or you can just search at utr media on any of those platforms and uh, we also um, started our end-of-the-year campaign called Build-A-Thon. It's a chance for you to link arms with us, participate in building the future of this organization. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so we rely on the help and support of listeners just like you. And we are so thankful for everyone who can and does get involved with us. Uh, we know it's, in many cases, it is a sacrificial gift because um, it has not been an easy couple of years for you guys and it honestly hasn't really been all that easy of a path for utr media the last couple of years so um we are uh, excited for anybody who can participate and help us out as we build towards the future so check out the build-a-thon campaign at our website utrmedia.org all right uh, stick around. We are not done yet. We have another interview guest uh, for you. In fact, uh, we'll be uh, heading out to British Columbia, Canada, and the award-winning singer-songwriter Carolyn Ahrens will be talking to us next here on Green Room Door. This UTR podcast is sponsored by the new album from Elise Massa. To the throne of heavenly grace, come with me. Sunrise, Songs for the Morning, is a seven-track new album offering spiritual encouragement. And His mercy's everlasting, His mercy's everlasting. Sunrise Songs for the Morning by Elise Massa is available now on Spotify, Bandcamp, and all music platforms. And look for our new interview with Elise at utrmedia.org. This UTR Media podcast is sponsored by Amazon.com and their platform for giving back to nonprofit organizations, smile.amazon.com. The next time you need to buy a backpack, computer, book, glue sticks, ultra HD TV or fidget spinner, millions of products, and you type in AMA, stop right there and instead type in smile.amazon.com. It's the exact same website, exact same products, 
But now you can type in UTR Media as your supporting organization, and Amazon will donate 0.5% of all eligible purchases to UTR. You literally pay the same price and get the same prime benefits, but UTR Media gets supported thanks to you being a kind and thoughtful shopper. If you shop with the Amazon app, you can load up your shopping cart and then go to smile.amazon.com to check out, and you will be unlocking free money to support this mission. Again, go to smile.amazon.com for your online shopping and select to support UTR Media. This UTR podcast is brought to you by the debut EP by singer-songwriter Emily McCoy. In This Weary Land by Emily McCoy is a psalm-based EP designed to help you find God's light of hope in the midst of darkness. You can find In This Weary Land by Emily McCoy on Spotify and all major music platforms. And look for our interview with Emily on our website, utrmedia.org. Hey, welcome back. In case you forgot, you're listening to the Green Room Door Podcast. I'm Dave Trout. And, uh, boy, we were just talking about how this is a really big month for UTR Media. Of course, a really big month for Sarah Groves. And it's also a really big month for our next interview guest. She's an award-winning, critically acclaimed singer-songwriter from British Columbia, Canada. Carolyn Ahrens is our guest right now. And, um... She released uh, her latest album, which is one of her career best, called Recognition. Uh, It actually came out just in select websites in the month of January. That was just for CDs and digital downloads. But um, just this month, um, Carolyn has released her album Recognition wide on all platforms. So now you can stream it on Spotify and Apple Music and all the rest. So um, Recognition is sort of having its uh, re-release here this month, and we want to dig in on this amazing new project. Um, So before we get into the conversation with Carolyn, let's take a listen to a clip of one of the songs from this project. Why so frantic, little human? Carolyn, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. 
And I wanted to start with just a wild, weird question. Um, because you have somebody that's, you know, just had this long, steady music career for over 25 years. So I'm wondering, does any moment stick out to you? It could be a, a specific gig or a retreat you went to, a conversation you had, just something that impacted you in a way that made you basically take a left turn instead of going straight? Huh. That's a very intriguing question, Dave. And so many people and conversations and moments flood into my mind when I think about it. But if I had to pick one singular moment, I might have to go back to very early in my career uh, and actually even give you a bit of background. So the the way that I got my break in music was I went to this thing called the Christian Artist Seminar that they used to have every year in the Rockies. And I went as an aspiring songwriter. I had these demos of some of my songs that had been recorded in the basement of my church. I wasn't even singing on them because back then, you know, I was an alto in a soprano world and I wasn't really sure if my voice could cut it. So uh, what I really cared about was the songs. So I had these recordings of the of my songs and I went to this conference in Colorado and I, you know, they had these publishing panels and you could play your songs for the panel and the panel would tear your songs apart. And, and they did. They tore my songs apart. But that's where I met my first publisher and, and got signed to a songwriting deal. And I thought that a songwriting deal was perfect for me because I was so uh, shy and I would get such terrible stage fright that I thought, oh, okay, writing songs for other artists, this is the way for me because I can have this creative outlet. I can kind of obey this impulse to write songs, uh, but I don't have to put myself out there on stage. So this is perfect. So it was at this conference that I met my publisher and then fast forward, I can't remember if it was a year or two years later, I'm back at the same conference, but now I'm back as a panelist, as a signed songwriter, which is awesome. (laughs) And I'm back there and I have a bit of free time one afternoon and I go to this seminar with a guy named Tom Jackson, who to this day, you probably know him, to this day, uh, he is a performance coach. He helps people with stagecraft. And Tom is talking about Uh, you know, that most artists think that when somebody comes to one of their shows, that what really matters is the lights or the wardrobe or how many octaves they have or how smooth they are. And Tom is saying, look, all that stuff helps, but none of it is the main point. He says, the reason why people come to a concert is to make a connection, to, to feel loved, to feel seen for relationship. And I'm thinking, man, as corny as that sounds, I think that's right. You know, uh, any concert that's been memorable to me has been one where I have felt that connection, right? I'm at a U2 concert and Bono is clearly singing to me. He's read my diary, right? He's he's singing straight into my life. Uh, So I'm thinking Tom Jackson in the seminar, he's right that people come to feel loved to make a connection. So he says, so as an artist, anytime you find yourself on a stage, your primary job is to love well. And he defines love as kind of using everything you have for the benefit of each person in that room. And I'm nodding in agreement, I'm following him. And then, so he says, your your job is to love. And then he says the thing that changes not only the, tra- the trajectory of my career, but really of my life. He says, 
you're there to love and the enemy of love is self-consciousness. And I'm like, whoa, I think this is the story of my life. You know, it's why I'm so, I have such bad stage fright is because I'm so self-conscious. I'm so afraid of saying something dumb or making a mistake. And it's why I'm so shy in my actual life, right? Like I, 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 I'm so bad at engaging like the checkout clerk when I'm buying groceries. Uh, I'm self-conscious and it's keeping me from seeing that person as a person, from loving them well. Or, you know, I've always hated that moment when you're walking down the street and somebody is coming the opposite direction and you have to decide at what point you're going to give them a little wave because if you do it too soon, then there's, what do you do after that? If you're still, <laughs> if you're still passing each other, there's that awkward gap space. But if you do it too late, you seem aloof. All this self-consciousness, right? That was keeping me from loving other people. People well. So it's very rare in life you have something that completely flips a switch for you, but this was one of those things because I literally came back from that conference and I had agreed to sing at this shot, uh, songwriter showcase at a little club, little listening room in downtown Vancouver where I live. And as usual, I had horrible stage fright beforehand in the green room. And then I just prayed and I said, uh, God, tonight, help me love this audience well. Help me not to be self-conscious. And I got out on the stage and it was completely different. I'm not kidding. It was completely different. I was suddenly so fascinated with the people in the room, what had brought them there on a rainy Thursday night in Vancouver, what they were looking for, what they needed, what they were seeking in the music. And it, I stopped worrying about myself and I had an absolute blast singing for them, connecting with them, being with them. And it completely changed the experience of performing for me. And, and really ever since then, although I'm still a pretty shy person, getting to play music for people as a way of trying to love well mm -hmm. and be with people, um, has been an absolute blast mm. one something i'm so grateful i get to do oh, yes uh so cool what a great story uh that is fun to listen to um uh, well i'm excited about your new album recognition um which is now available just starting this month it's available on all music platforms so if folks are just discovering this album for the first time what are, what's your hope for them that that the hope that yeah, how how do you plan to love them well uh, through this album? I hope when listeners hear recognition, I think my fondest hope for it is just that it moves them in some way. That they're somehow a little more in motion or a little different after listening than they were before. So that could be, uh, you know, there's some very sad songs on the record. Um, so if the record moves them to befriend their own sorrow, create space for their own sorrow, I would be happy. Uh, there are some songs on the record that are uh, meant to be funny and joyful. And if they helped people smile a little, chuckle a little about some of the craziness of life, I would be happy if if they moved people to dance a little and feel the groove in their bodies. I would be happy if they moved people to think 
to get a new perspective on something, I would be happy. Um, ultimately, if they invited people to, to pray or open themselves up a little more to the God who pursues us in all things, I would be happy. So uh, I'm pretty flexible in terms of people what people walk away with from this record. But if it moves a listener in some way, then I think... I think I could say my work has been well done. Nice. Um, do you feel like this new collection of songs is more sort of a variety of songs that just kind of, you know, some of your latest inspirations kind of all put together? Or do you feel like the songs are more developed around a single theme? I never or hardly ever have a particular theme in mind when I go into writing a record. I usually detect any themes afterwards. Uh, and I would say maybe on recognition, the theme maybe is most clearly stated in the opening track, which is called Becoming Human. Becoming human is hard, but it's the great task of our lives. I think a lot of the songs explore what it means to become fully human to start denying uh, parts of our humanity and uh, and so that is why I explore uh, you know for me the record came out of a season of loss and some of it is about learning to own my own sorrow and loss but some of it is about learning to celebrate what it means to be human um, so maybe maybe that's a theme I would love for people to listen to the record and tell me if that's the theme uh, they hear. And then I think the other the other theme, if there can be two running side by side, is just the same thing I've been writing about my entire career, uh, which is detecting the movement of God in all the seemingly ordinary stuff that goes on around us. You know, I think that God is sort of constantly kind of clearing his throat and, and moving, uh, you know, a a key quote for me all these years has been Frederick Buechner saying God speaks into and out of the thick of our days and that we just have to listen. And so, you know, my very first record was called I Can Hear You. It was about learning to listen and detect the movements of God in ordinary life. And here I am all these years later with a record called Recognition. That song, Almost Didn't Recognize You, is about, you know, seeing God in other people, seeing God in creation, uh, detecting the movements of the Trinity in, um, in life around us. So that, that I guess would be the other theme. And then, okay, now I'm going to even add a third theme. The third theme is just, um, starting to process some of what we've learned in COVID, you know, actually the, one of the very first songs that got this project going is a song called after this, uh, that I wrote with my duo partner, Spencer. He wrote this gorgeous fiddle metal fiddle metal fiddle melody and I asked him uh if I could write words for it and it's just about what what can we learn during COVID that we can apply after this and it's about uh, kind of the the holiness of getting to be with other people the sacredness of a hug uh learning learning not to take some of those things for granted so that's a big messy answer, but maybe you can detect in there some of the themes of this record. Mm, that's great. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the song Becoming Human because um, we're actually going to play that song in its entirety after um, after we sort of give the outro to today's podcast. So 
Uh, for anyone who hasn't heard it yet, um, we're going to play that opening track from Recognition, Becoming Human. Um, yeah, just uh, a few minutes down the road, so <laughs> hang out for that. Right now, actually, I want to play um, a little clip of another one of the standout songs, Without Music. And just um, then you can share with us a little bit more about the story behind that song. This is my song for all the ones Who keep singing as the world comes undone It's like a broken hallelujah Their melodies soar Till the world's not quite so broken so without music, if you listen to the lyric, it pretty, it's kind of meta because it pretty much tells the exact story of writing this song. You know, it starts out, uh, this was meant to be a mel- melancholic song, a litany of all that's gone wrong, but the melody took over and it started to soar till it wasn't melancholic anymore. I literally sat down to write a grumpy protest song about all the things that are wrong in the world. And before I knew it, I was not writing that song. I was writing a different kind of song. And really, it became a song about the fact that no matter how crummy things get, we still keep singing or humming or whistling. Like, there is still music. You know, you can go back to stories of just horrific Nazi prison camps, but music is being written. It seems to be kind of essential to our survival. And the fact that we continue to still respond to music and sing and make music, even in the worst of times, I think on the one hand, it says something to us about what a gift music is, how how it is part of being human and part of being made in the image of God. I heard somebody say the other day that they don't think we invented music, we discovered music, and it flows out of the life of the Trinity, out of the communion between the Father, Son, and the Spirit is something like music, and we sing it down here when we catch a whiff of it. Uh, so uh, Without Music is a, is a song about the gift of music and also about how music is kind of a, it's kind of a promise, you know, the, the fact that we keep singing even in the worst of times is is sort of a way we say with somebody like Julian of Norwich, all will be well, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well. You know, it's like this emblem of hope. So that's what the song ended up becoming about. This grumpy song turned into something else. And then uh, one of my favorite things about it in terms of the, the form in which it arrives on the recognition album is that it ended up being a duet with Amy Grant. Now, I mentioned earlier that I grew up as an alto in a soprano world, a, a sandy, patty world. Amy's music was so important to me growing up for so many different reasons, not least that she was an alto, but for so many other reasons too. And when I was working on Without Music, I kept hearing Amy's voice on it. Um, 
both for how important she's been to me in terms of learning to love music. And also I just thought she would sound great on it. And so I reached out to her. I only know her just a little bit, but I reached out to her through a mutual friend and, um, she had just had her heart surgery, but she said, hey, I'll, I'll sing on this. If you, I might be a little croaky, but that's okay with me if it's okay with you. And of course it was okay with me. And she didn't sound croaky at all. She sounded amazing. And uh, so I, I can't help but have a big goofy grin on my face every time I listen to that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have one more uh, question for you. And uh, I think perfect because you are someone who has traveled so many roads and obviously has written so many songs. So you've had just a lot of experience in the world of music. And we uh, just love the fact that we have a lot of uh, younger up and coming artists, developing songwriters who listen to uh, the UTR podcasts and hopefully glean and learn from veteran artists like yourself. Um, Carolyn, can you just share any words of advice that come to mind for kind of a on the rise musician? Well, I appreciate you using the term veteran rather than old singer songwriter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, you know, the music industry has changed so much in the years that I've been involved in it. And honestly, it is much harder now for people now to find any kind of pathway to making a living in music, which is one of the reasons why what you're doing at UTR is so important, shining a light on this music that um, isn't really meant to be top 40 music, uh, but is meant to be meaningful and nourishing and beautiful. And uh, anyways, I digress. It has become much harder to make a living out of making music and there's all kinds of advice and practical and tactical things I would have to say to a younger artist but I think most fundamentally I would say no matter how hard it gets never forget that music is something you play and that that play word is really important there should be a fundamental lightness and joy to making music Uh, And if you start to lose that reset, take a deep breath, go for a walk, listen to some music you love, go to an amazing show from another artist, get back into touch with why you fell in love with music in the first place. And always, yes, there's a place for, you know, marketing and promotion and brass tacks and trying to figure out how to make it work. But never forget that it's a gift and it's something you play So always be playful in the making of music. (laughs) Yeah, what a treat to talk to Carolyn Ahrens on today's podcast. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us and um, definitely uh, run, don't walk to get um, Carolyn's latest album, Recognition. It's, I, I think, one of her career, maybe her career best work. It's so, so good. The song's just... Um, from front to back, just really thoughtful and inspiring. And and don't forget, we're also going to play the opening track, Becoming Human, um, after we um, give the goodbyes and outro to today's show. So uh, stick around for that. Now, I know this doesn't apply to Carolyn because Canadian Thanksgiving is in October, 
but to the rest of us in the U.S., um, we're dropping this podcast on Thanksgiving week. So first of all, we hope you have a great and happy Thanksgiving, no matter where you are headed or staying. Um, And we encourage you to um, use our playlist, our brand new Thanksgiving Songs of Faith playlist as a soundtrack for your week. And if you ever need gratitude songs, just to be reminded to count your blessings, um, we're keeping that playlist up year round. So uh, you can find it right now on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Prime Music, and YouTube Music. Um, And uh, hopefully it just adds a a little musical flair to your Thanksgiving holiday. I know we mentioned this earlier in the show, but um, we would love for you to check out what we call the big announcement that we just made last week. And uh, it's about the future of UTR Media. Um, It's only just a few minutes long. It's posted right now on our YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram channels. We'll link to it in the show notes and just check it out and uh, so you can see kind of what God is doing and where we think he's leading. A huge thanks to our special guests, Sarah Groves and Carolyn Ahrens. If you like today's show and you want to spread the word, take a screenshot of the podcast page and post it on your Insta story and tag at UTR Media. And of course, we couldn't do what we do without the amazing generosity of the UTR support team. If you're on that team, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Um, this is also our end of the year campaign build a thon. So if you want to join in on the support of UTR Media as a nonprofit, we would love to hear from you. You can get more info at utrmedia.org. It's been a blast hanging out with you. I'm Dave Trout, and I'll talk to you again on the next Green Room Door, a production of UTR Media, an independent, listener supported nonprofit ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee online at utrmedia.org. All right, stick around for that song by Carolyn Ahrens in its entirety coming up next.
Send me my 